Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is our NBA players to watch in the resume season. Of course, we all knew we all know that the NBA season resumed on July 30th, and we're all excited about that. We displayed that in our last episode, how excited we are that the season's back. But now we turn our attention to some of the players to watch here in the bubble. So I'm going to throw it to Jalen with his first player to watch. All right, Ryan. So I'm just going to throw it out there right now. The player that I'm about to name off, everybody needs to write down on a piece of paper, maybe even a sticky note, put it somewhere close in their pocket, and remember to take it out come playoff time because I think that he is going to be part of the reason that the Portland Trailblazers steal the AC. And that is my guy, Gary Trent Jr., Guard forward out of Duke, been kind of relegated to a bench role playing behind Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum, which is definitely expected considering we're talking about two all-star guards and a top two, maybe top three duo in terms of the backcourt, probably in the entire league. But he's been a guy that's played a lot of big minutes so far this season and in the bubble has dropped some numbers. He's had a 21-point game. He's had a 17-point game, and he recently has had 16 against the Houston Rockets. The dude has been shooting lights out from three, been a complete problem from distance, and his big body frame has given them a defender that they've been looking for for years. The Trailblazers have struggled at the three position, and although Gary Trent's main or I guess primary position would be the two guard, his build and frame has allowed him to play a lot of well defense on threes, which is something they basically have not had since Trevor Ariza a year ago or Al Rook Aminu, who a couple of years ago was on the team and couldn't hit the broad side of a barn but could play defense out the ass. He was basically somebody that only could play one side of the ball. Gary Trent Jr., on the other hand, can do both and has done both so far this, uh, this bubble return. Do you think that the Trailblazers are a true threat to the AC, considering the recent news we got about the Memphis Grizzlies losing Jaron Jackson Jr.? Absolutely. If anything, I think the Blazers have come out. They've come hot out of the gate, and I think they are really one of the stronger teams that aren't actually in the top eight. I've always looked very highly upon the, uh, the Blazers, and I think that they're one of the better teams in the bubble. Their record certainly doesn't show it. Damian Lillard has been phenomenal. C.J. McCollum has been playing great basketball. Yusuf Nurkic, Zach Collins being back definitely has helped the Blazers in the front court. But I have to point out Carmelo Anthony. Yes, sir. I have said this before, and I'll say it again. He's a Hall of Famer. Yes, sir. Um, I think he's not only answered that question, but he's also answered the question of can he still play at a high level. Two clutch baskets, one against the Memphis Grizzlies, the other yesterday against the Houston Rockets. He's shown that he can play. And if anything, I mean, Damian Lillard vouching for or being a voucher for Carmelo's Hall of Fame spot, I think he's, he's definitely proving that he can still play. But you mentioned Gary Trent Jr. I mean, he's a guy who can help contribute on the offensive side with Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum 
And I think also on the defensive side as well, I think he's, he's had a couple steals in both of the games and he's also been able to lock down some great shooters on the, uh, on the part of the Celtics and the Rockets. He's been doing phenomenal as well, but I got to tell you who's doing a little better than Gary Trent Jr. And that's somebody who is making his first appearance in the bubble and possibly a run to the NBA playoffs. And that's Devin Booker. Ooh, I like it. Devin Booker. I like it. By the way, the Suns are 3-0 and since the restart. Devin Booker is having the best statistical season of his career so far. 26 points, 6.5 assists, just over four rebounds a game, shooting just under 49% from the field, 36% from beyond the arc. I mean, he's leading a Suns team that hasn't been to the playoffs since Steve Nash and Mari Steinmeier were there. And he's playing like a guy who's been waiting for the opportunity to get to the playoffs. He's been in the league since 2015. In the time that he's been in the league since 2015, he's become a phenomenal shooter. He's a great defender, and he's athletic. He can also cover multiple positions on the floor as a defender. And I think he's just another guy where you put him on the big stage, and he's going to show out. I have to tell you his stats from the last three games, though. Against the Wizards. 27 points, five rebounds, four assists, 38% shooting. Against the Mavericks, 30 points, three rebounds, four assists, 50% shooting. Against the Clippers, this is the big one, 35 points, four rebounds, eight assists, a dramatic increase over the last two games, 52% shooting. He made six three-pointers including the game winner over Paul George. It was a turnaround fadeaway. It had Kobe Bryant written all over it. And I'm telling you, Kobe Bryant is smiling somewhere. As Mark Jackson would say, mama, there go that man. I mean, he has been on a tear since coming back. And I I mean – Let's put it in perspective. Coming out of Kentucky, we all understood that Devin Booker could put the ball in the basket. That part was understood no matter what his relegated role was for them, considering that Kentucky had a lot of draft picks up and ready to be, you know, one and done. So not everybody got to exploit what their true talents were. But we understand that Devin Booker is a shooter, but his ability to drive is what actually is underrated. We understand that Devin Booker is a three-point contest winner and different things like that. But his ability to get to the basket finish or make decisions has been something that's been slept on and now something we haven't seen like you said he's been in the league since 2015 in the last three to four years in particular we have not seen him with a supporting cast that truly gives him the chance to do the things that he can do cam johnson has been a guy that we looked at when the draft came and said how in the world could you take this guy at seven we looked at ricky rubio earlier this season and i told you Personally, I don't feel like Utah miss, is missing out on anything when it comes to Ricky Rubio. Ricky Rubio has dropped 20 a few times so far this season, and one of them most recently being in this bubble. DeAndre Ayton is somebody who we really need to wonder, really take a look at, whether or not the Suns would even be in this position had he not had the suspension earlier this season. This team is on the cuff, and – You know, my Trailblazers take is definitely in jeopardy. My Memphis Grizzly take from earlier in the season is quickly tanking. And the Suns put fear in my heart, something like you said before. I don't even think we've 
had the audacity to say something like that since Steve Nash left the Phoenix Suns. And now they have a young squad. Mikael Bridges has shown flashes in the scrimmages, hasn't really stepped up too much while the games have mattered, but we're kind of just waiting for that breakout game. I mean, they're a team that definitely scares me. But, Ryan, you raised me one with Devin Booker, and I have to raise you another with my guy, T.J. Warren, for the Indiana Pacers. This guy, this guy right here, is someone that we say is in their bag. Comes into the bubble, drops 53, lets Philly know exactly who he is from the rip. Follows that up with a 34-point game against Washington and a 32-point game against Orlando. I don't know what they put in the water out there in Florida, but this man, TJ Warren, has gotten a ton of it because he has been a certified bucket And with things being very questionable between Malcolm Brogdon and Victor Oladipo in the backcourt and the fact that Sabonis is somebody that's still not really been able to contribute due to his injury, this has been a guy who has stepped up and then stepped up way beyond whatever his role was when they got him. Dare I say, we love the Suns, but they gave the man up for cash considerations. They gave him up for a toaster and a freezer bag, man. They gave him up for $0, essentially. Got no players, got no real picks. And now he's out here dropping buckets in the bubble, and I'm sure they would probably wish that that was another guy they could put next to him. With TJ Warren playing out of his mind, does this really move the needle for the Pacers? Does it really? No. And it's unfortunate that I say that, but no. The thing with the Pacers, and I've said this before, I think they're one legitimate star away from being a top three team in the East. Um, mm-hmm. I feel like until they get that, they are, um, they're going to always be a four or five, six team. Somebody needs to tell me where in the world TJ Warren's been for the first couple of seasons of his career, because I haven't seen this from his, <laughs> from his entire career. And yet he's playing up 53 against the Sixers. He's shooting near perfect. In his next game, I believe it was against the Heat yesterday. Orlando. Orlando. I'm not understanding. Where has he been? I'm just wondering, <laughs> where has he been? I asked the same question for J.R. Smith because he's actually not showing up. I'm asking the question for T.J. Warren because I'm asking where he's been for the first couple of years of his career. Like, <laughs> I have not seen somebody drop 53 points and then just shoot lights out against Orlando. I can't tell you where this is coming from, from T.J. Warren, but here's what I say about the Pacers, though. Victor Oladipo's back. That's good. He's playing on limited minutes, though. That's also not good. They're trying to just get back in his court legs, like you said. But Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, I think they're going to need to step up. Aaron Holiday, Definitely. Justin Holiday, they need to step up. T.J. Warren has been outshining this team ever since he got to Orlando. Oladipo, I feel like, can play solid if he gets more minutes. I think the Pacers are handling his injury well just because like he's, he's just been back for the Pacers. I think he was about to opt out that he came back, but I think they're handling his injury well. I just don't know where this leaves the Pacers, though. I still feel like they're a star or two away from being a legitimate team in the East. They can definitely take teams to seven. We've seen that in the past. It's just, can they go 
to the finals? Can they go to the conference finals? Can they take a team like Milwaukee or Toronto or Boston to seven? And right now, I don't think they can do that. I think where they finish genuinely is dependent on the psychological edge that they do or do not gain against the Miami Heat these next couple of games. They play the Heat twice in their last three games, including their very last game, before the playoffs would initially start. The Heat are essentially the team to face in the first round. We're getting a Jimmy Butler, TJ Warren problem for at least four games, minimum. But I see, I see that being a tough series. How far the Pacers can go, I think, will be determined based on what their circumstances are coming out of those two games with them. If they fall short, I feel like they're going to go into that series and the demoralization of already kind of falling under is going to hurt them even more with the fact that they're missing some of their guys. I feel like if they go 2-0, I think, yeah, you're going to get a lot more fight probably out of the heat come actual playoff ready time. But I feel like that's what's going to make it a truly competitive series. And what will make it the best series of the first round <laughs> will be if they both go 1-1 in these two games and we start the playoffs off with a Pacers-Heat rubber match to decide who takes the edge. The Pacers moving forward look like a good team. Retaining C.J. Warren is going to be huge in terms of keeping him under contract rather than disrespecting him like the Suns did and trading him for nothing and making him a primary scoring option. And if Victor Oladipo gets in his bag, we get good minutes from Malcolm Brogdon and Miles Turner keeps hitting the boards hard, they could be a tough first round out for sure. I almost kind of feel bad for TJ Warren. I mean, this is, this is similar to, uh, to Kyle Korver getting traded to the Sixers for money to fund the G league team and, and a copy machine copy machine man that was just bad but then cash considerations though i don't know it wasn't even a player it was cash considerations you could have spent anything on that i never understand some of these trades for cash considerations <laughs> <laughs> like what, what are you gonna buy what are you gonna buy with cash considerations but honestly i think i think it's just a great way to transition from a a good team in the East to a great team in the East in the Toronto Raptors and my player, Pascal Siakam. Excellent. So Pascal Siakam, best player on the Toronto Raptors. I think he's not only the best player, but I think he's also the best player on an underrated team. Most improved player last year. He doesn't even show that he was the most improved player last year because he's playing phenomenally this year. He went from the most improved player to the best player on the team. He's a deadly scorer, versatile defender. I think he gives Toronto the best chance to win back-to-back NBA championships. I think he's going to be the reason why they do it instead of Kawhi being the reason why the Raptors did it last year. He's averaging 23-7, and also averaging just under a block a game. He's also averaging uh, a steal a game, too. He put a 15-9 against the Lakers, 22-6 and against the Heat two blocks and two steals against the Lakers too. I mean, it kind of shows that he's able to guard some of the top players in the league. I could even say he was one of the reasons why AD was shooting poorly from the floor and only scoring 14 points. I feel like if Toronto goes to the finals, if they win the championship, Pascal Siakam is going to be a huge part of the reason why Toronto wins the championship. Do you feel like there's going to be other contributing parts 
to Toronto's run if they can make it to the finals again? Or do you feel like Pascal Siakam is going to be the sole reason why? Well, genuinely, I believe that other guys are going to have to step up because although we say, you know, stars win series, the finals is a different breed. And these are some very different circumstances that we're under. Nobody can just trade water under the fact that, yes, COVID-19 is still a thing. Yes, COVID has affected the way the season has taken place and therefore has even affected the way we watch the game, considering there's no fans in the stadium, which kind of changes the entire environment of even the playoffs. But with that being said, there's two guys in particular that I think are going to have to step up significantly. The first guy is Fred Van Vliet. Vliet. Sorry, can't say his name because, I don't know, too many Vs, but he's a bucket. He's a certified bucket, and he showed last year in the finals that when the bright lights are on, the man can go get his. Most recently just dropped 30-plus shot out of his mind, and he looks like a true backcourt mate to Kyle Lowry. He looks like a real complimentary guard to Kyle Lowry. The second guy is OG Ananobi. He is a guy who I'm not expecting to average 15, 5, and 3 or anything crazy like that, but his activity on the defensive end is something that needs to get more attention. Him and the 76ers guard Matisse Thibault are two of the best young defenders in the league and for some reason are not getting their hand rose and shown the respect that they deserve. OG Ananobi is a guy who's been able to get five, six steals in multiple games this season. As a guy who's active at their forward position, there are a lot of guards and a lot of forwards in the East and the West that could potentially give them problems. OG Ananobi is a guy that I feel like in a one-on-one matchup with guys like Giannis and maybe Ben Simmons, for example, can step up and maybe not hold them to 13, 14 points, but it's going to make every basket difficult for them. I think their ability to not only come out of the East, but win the finals and be back-to-back championships and win back-to-back championships is going to come down to the defensive end of the ball, and that's something that they've thrived on the most. I think the wild card here isn't even a player. It's my guy, Nick Nurse, who somehow did not get voted as one of the coaches of the year this season. Shout-out to Billy Donovan for getting his with the Thunder because he's, really he's really the main guy. Uh, Budenholzer is a guy who's well-renowned in the league and really don't understand why they just keep handing it to him. We understand that he's a great coach. Billy Donovan, I do feel like, is a guy who truly earned it. But I feel like I feel like Nick Nurse should have got put on that list, and I feel like he might not treat it as something to prove come playoff time. But if they win the finals, trust and believe Nick Nurse will have his hands all over that championship and be a big factor as to why they win. You know, I kind of feel like Dwayne Casey was that stepping stone for Nick Nurse to win the championship, much like Rick Carlisle was the stepping stone to Larry Brown winning the championship with the Detroit Pistons in 2004. Kind of similar to how Mark Jackson was the stepping stone to Steve Kerr winning the championship a couple times with the Warriors. It's almost like a coaching change is somewhat necessary. I mean, Dwayne Casey took the Toronto Raptors to the uh, conference semifinals, Eastern Conference Finals in 2016 but they needed to get over to the finals. 
and they finally did it in 2018, 2019, it was almost like a dream come true for a city who had, had not had a championship basketball team in their history. And Nick Nurse is mainly the reason why it happened. And honestly, I didn't know who Nick Nurse was going into last season. But honestly, when, you're, when you get a guy like Kawhi Leonard on your team, and everyone improves. Lowry significantly improved. Van Vliet became a deadly shooter. Siakam won most, most improved player of the year. It's just like the pieces around Toronto are now starting to develop, and they know we can do it now. It's no longer we, we're, we know we're going to be eliminated in the semifinals and the Eastern Conference Finals. We have a chance to win because now we're the second-best team in the East. So I think all credit to Nick Nurse. Pascal Siakam is definitely going to be a factor if they win the championship and maybe on why they win the championship as well. But I can't really discount guys like Kyle Lowry who – Trout 33 on the Lakers and 14 rebounds as well. Van Vliet, who was a lights-out shooter. It's just guys like Van Vliet, Lowry, Siakam, even Gasol, I think are really going to have to step up and make Toronto a championship-winning team for another year. I mean, they definitely are a deadly team in the East. I feel like they don't get enough discussion because of the fact that Milwaukee's been holding things down. Philadelphia, it seems like when they turn it on, they're one of the most dangerous teams in the league. And then, of course, the Heat, they've been getting a lot of love so far this year with the guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Bam Adebayo, and, of course, Jimmy Butler leading the way. They've gotten a lot of love this season as a team that's overachieved. But the real overachievers are the Toronto Raptors, who lost the top two, top three player in the league and still are staying at the top of the East. All credit to those guys on the court because, honestly, they weren't expected to get this high. They weren't expected to be this far along coming off of a year like they did and losing a guy like that in the offseason. So to make up for not having a question of the day last episode, we're, make, we're giving you guys a two-part question today. Who is your player to watch and why? This has been a great episode today. We have so much more content ready and in store waiting for you guys to hear. Thank you, guys. Thank you to everyone who's been supporting us. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace.